hello listeners and welcome to this special Baby Bite episode. Um, I'm here in the studio with Jamie. Hi, Al. Hi, Jay. Hello. We're just going to dispense with the normal fluff that we uh, insert and get straight <laughs> to the point. The reason we're doing this is because one of the things that I think is quite important when you become a parent, obviously, is your child. I think that's the number one in most important thing when and, you become a parent. And yeah. the sort of health and safety of your child, right? Yeah. But lots of parents, I think it's fair to say, don't really have any understanding or knowledge of, about sort of first aid techniques and stuff. Mm. Um, have you done a first aid? No. Course? And every, t- every time I feed Matilda something that is potentially choke-inducing, I always think, I should know how to dislodge this if this gets stuck. Right. Do you know what I mean? You, and presumably you've had quite a few occasions already where she started like yeah, coughing yeah. and you're like, uh-oh. But no, it's funnier. It's, it's more funny than it is scary because the faces she pulls is quite funny. <laughs> it's, I mean, she doesn't eat that bigger stuff, but yeah, like a little bit of butternut squash or something. Do you know what I mean? Goes down the wrong way. But um, but yeah, I, I, I kind of thought we should have done one. Um, we were going to do one, but then for whatever reason just didn't. But you've done one, right? Uh, yeah, I have. Yeah. yeah. And... A funny story, in fact. Okay. Uh, which which could work, you know, as a as a sort of introduction as well to our to our guest for the podcast. Which is that we we did the NCT class as as you did, and um, someone I think suggested in our class that that might be a good idea. And the uh, NCT instructor that we had said, "I actually know someone who who runs classes," and I think I probably like you. Like, I don't think it would have occurred to me to do it, and there was part of me as well that was like. Should we not do it? But then I was like, if we if we don't do it, like everyone's doing it now, we're gonna look like really bad parents. <laughs> so we 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 signed up for it. Yeah. And then it was it was in like one of the NCT people's houses, and we turned up for it. And the first aid instructor arrived, and it was an old friend from university, Sarah, no. who is our guest for today, Sarah Con. Hello. Hi. Welcome. Hi. Thank you. So, so you got you guys went to university. We did, yeah. We did, yeah. Oh, okay. Sussex University many, many go. years ago. And I don't think we'd probably seen each other for, what, like 17 years, something like that, probably? Yeah, I think that's probably about right, yeah. So just to kind of give more of a, an introduction to Sarah and sort of um, sell her, talk her up a bit. Um, <laughs> Not that she needs talking up, but... Well, no, I mean, her reputation precedes her, obviously. <laughs> um, so Sarah runs her own kind of business, which focuses on training parents in first aid techniques called uh, early early bird early first bird aid first aid that's right and you're also a mum of three boys i am now yeah the youngest is eight months and then i've got a six-year-old and a four-year-old so so yeah, it's quite a boys. lot that you're juggling there yes <laughs> um but you've got a couple of assistants now that help you i have it. yeah in the last year or so i've taken on two other instructors so now it's not just me teaching courses, which makes it a bit easier. So I do quite a lot of the admin and a bit of the teaching as well. Right. So, yeah. So it's, it, mu- it must sound, sounds like it's like quite a kind of, you know, there's a lot of interest in it if the business is obviously growing. Well, yeah, I focus mainly on doing the paediatric first aid, so courses for parents like yourselves. Um, and I honestly think, you know, if you've got kids, it is a really good thing to do just to give you a bit of confidence so you would know what to do if your child starts choking, um, you know, or if they burn themselves uh, or they bump their head, that kind of thing. It's really just about confidence, I think. But so, yeah, I do lots of two, or two three-hour courses focusing on basic first aid for babies and children. Okay. Um, and then some longer courses too, but that's really really where the focus is i guess another thing as well is just not you know the the temptation to rush your kid to a and e with the 
the smallest thing that happens to them is kind of and you're kind of wasting nhs time and resource and also your own time spending sort of hours in queues in waiting rooms and that whereas if you can deal with it yourself exactly it it makes your life easier and you're not sitting around the hospital you know just to be sent home sort of three hours later no definitely I think, you know, it is really about confidence and knowing that you can cope with it yourselves. And and thankfully, the really serious stuff doesn't happen that often. But it's about 40 percent of parents that see a child choke at some point and less than half of those parents know what to do in that situation. So just learning a basic skill can give you the confidence to deal with the problem before it becomes an issue. And that's why, you know, doing some training is a really good idea. So 40 percent, that's quite high isn't yeah. it yeah what are the what are the other sort of common things that you might encounter well i mean bumps and bruises you know are very yeah. common um and i think i don't know if you guys have seen that yeah i mean i remember the first time my eldest was running along and he tripped and caught his head on the side of a table leg and pretty much instantly an egg appeared on his head and he he cried and i grabbed a fro- bag of frozen peas out of the freezer wrapped it in a tea towel and then made him sit for 10 minutes with the peas on his head and actually for him that was probably worse than the bump itself but then it's knowing what to look for afterwards so i didn't take him to any because he acted completely normally um he didn't vomit he wasn't sleepy or lethargic and he just went and played and and was quite happy but those are the kind of things you're looking for if they seem dizzy or lethargic when you don't expect them to be if they vomit um that sort of thing a change in behavior if they seem quieter than they usually would then you would take them to a and e and i think if you don't know what you're looking for you probably think oh they bumped the head straight to a and e and obviously you do want to err on the side of caution but you know you have to have a bit of confidence in yourself and trust your instincts too and, you know, you get to know your children really well. So, um, you know, if you feel something's not right, it probably isn't right. But um, it's just knowing what to look for as well. I feel like just like hearing you kind of talk about some of the things and like we haven't even got to the the really horrible stuff. <laughs> the nitty gritty. Yeah. But like one of the things I, I imagine like might put people off is just because it's so horrible to think about that you just like, I'd rather just not even... I know. I do sometimes feel like I'm just the bearer of bad news and you <laughs> arrive and you get this really nice group of people that are excited about having their babies and then you sort of sit there. Your child's going to die. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when your child is electrocuted, this is what you need <laughs> yeah. to do. And you see their faces dropping throughout the session and you just think, oh no, what have I done to them? Tuesday evening but actually the chances are you probably won't need to use these things yeah. and it and as I said it's about having the confidence to know what to do if you are put in a position where you can stop it from becoming an emergency particularly with things like choking if you know what to do it's over and done within about 10 seconds and I've had a few choking incidents myself and actually I set the business up as a result of dealing with the choking incident with my first son right, right. because he started choking when I was on maternity leave weaning him and I was already a first aid instructor, so I knew exactly what to do. And then afterwards, I was a little bit shaken up by it. Mm. I thought, would other parents know what to do? And then my NCT group asked me to teach a course for them. And then I did a course for a friend of theirs. And then by the time I was ready to go back to work, I was doing kind of three courses a week. And my husband said, why are you going back to work? And he did my website and the branding and stuff. And so the business started there. So, you know, with particularly things like choking, you can solve it yourself without it becoming serious. But if you don't know what to do and you panic, that's where things, you know, can go wrong. So Mm. what should you do then? 
So, <laughs> first thing you do, just, well, gagging's normal, and you've probably all seen that when yeah. you're weaning your babies, they do yeah. gag, and yeah. coughing's normal as well, and you've probably all felt that sensation where you feel like something goes down the wrong way, and you cough and splutter, yeah. and it comes out, and that's the end of it. So, coughing's the body's natural way of expelling anything that comes into contact with the airway, and actually, if you're sitting next to someone at the dinner table, and they start coughing, instinctively, you kind of feel like you should whack them on the back, yeah. Yeah. and actually, that's not very helpful. Oh, right, you're much okay. better off just letting them cough out oh. themselves. I I do that all the time yeah, to Matilda. So, I just hit her on the back and go, there, she's fine. Well, Done. if she's coughing normally, then she's fine. Yeah. It's where either the coughing becomes weak or if there's no sound at all, that's oh. where you need to do something about it. Right. So, See, that just makes me sense up. Right. <laughs> You've done a first aid course, though. That's so true, know yeah. What to do, but I, I, well, that's the thing. I, kind of, I do kind of know what to do. I do remember that bit. I remember, <clears throat> I think... Is it right you you would like lean them That's right. forward? Yeah, you get the head down. So you want the head down towards the floor and then you've got gravity working with you. And hopefully you just turn them upside down. You support their body on your forearm, get the head low and hopefully it just comes straight out and that's the end of it. Yeah. And if not, then you use the heel of the hand between the shoulder blades and you do five firm back blows and that hopefully forces the obstruction out of the airway. And then if that doesn't work, then you turn them over and you do five chest thrusts where you put your two fingers in the centre of the sternum and you do five sharp chest thrusts. And that's for an under one-year-old. For an So just, one sorry, so with the, with the fingers, so it's not like a proper double-handed no, thing fingers, you see, right? Just yeah. two fingers. Yeah, on. in the centre of the, the breastbone. Right, okay. But that's just for an un under one-year-old. Once they're over one-year-old, you always do the five back blows regardless of their age. So whether they're six months, six years, 60, you start with five back blows. Right. Um, but once they're over a year old, you do an abdominal thrust instead, or the Heimlich maneuver. You've yeah. probably seen it done on Mrs. Doubtfire or, or some. I have TV. seen it done on Mrs. So, Doubtfire. Yeah, that kind of thing. Did we, we, I can't remember if this had happened when we had when we did our class, but like, didn't Mr. Doctor Heimlich actually get I, to use his? Yeah, I think maneuver? he was still. A, I don't think he'd used it at that point. No, he, I, I usually tell that story on, yeah, on the course. Right, maybe it was you. That's, right, okay. Oh, did I tell you? Maybe I told you. <laughs> oh, that. See, maybe now it had happened. Now we know where Seth gets all his uh, <laughs> his wit. <laughs> anecdotes yeah, from I'm not I'm very well known for my sort of uh, <laughs> stories about Heimlich yeah, yeah no so what's the story about Heimlich. Mr Heimlich Dr Heimlich should I say he just never got to use no, it no he like, did he right. at the age of 92 I think it was he finally got to use his abdominal thrust or the Heimlich maneuver as wow. it's called um, on someone that was choking in a restaurant can you imagine so. his face lighting up as he hears this going on and kicking tables down to get to the person before anyone else Imagine does. if you were that person who was choking. Yeah. You were like, this is like this, it's actually brilliant. Like, I'm yeah. so glad that I'm choking because yeah. otherwise this this anecdote would never have fallen well, that's it. They've my got life. a real story to tell. Yeah. They? But thankfully it did work and he did save them. And sadly for him, he died, I think, about a month later. But he choked, choked on a prawn. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it was old age. But I think he felt his work, you know, he, yeah, at least he yeah. knew his work was done and that, yeah, yeah. you know, it did work. And, and actually, the Heimlich manoeuvres probably saved countless lives, really. It is a very useful thing. We call it the abdominal thrust, I think, because of um, copyright. Right, okay. So how would, you, how would you go about an abdominal thrust then? What's the so best technique? So basically, you find the belly button and then two fingers above the belly button below the line of the rib cage you've got a soft spot there so your solar plexus you can feel it on yourself all right i'm gonna feel yep. yeah don't push too hard because okay. you will wind yourself you basically oh, yeah, make a is... fist with your hand and you put the knuckle of the thumb into that soft spot and then you put the other hand over the front lock your elbows outwards and you pull inwards and upwards so you're coming up underneath the rib cage it's okay. almost like a scoop up underneath the rib cage and that forces the diaphragm up which forces the air out of the lungs and hopefully takes the object with it can you do it on yourself 
people quite often ask that on uh. first aid courses. Um, apparently, there are some courses where people have been taught to do it on the edge of a chair or something if they're on their own that isn't something we would teach on a first aid course for early bird first aid yeah Um, not advisable really go and find help don't go and go to somewhere where there isn't anyone else around so Mm. don't take yourself off to the loo if you start choking and you're a bit embarrassed because then if you pass out in the loo there's no one there to help you so you know i think it's quite obvious if someone starts choking they usually hold their throat you know if they're old enough to understand they go very red or purple and if you see that and if it's someone you don't know, it's a good idea to ask permission to help, actually, before you go charging over and start whacking them on the back. But, yeah, but they can't um, respond, can they, with that? Well, nod of the head will do. <laughs> yeah, Are you choking? Can I help? Nod of the head? Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and that way you've covered yourself by good Samaritan laws, so you're not going to get into trouble for manhandling them. Um, but to be fair, we don't really have much of a suing culture in the UK. No, yeah, that's, that's true. true. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, there are other countries where you know that people do get into you just leave them to die because you're too yeah but that yeah it happens in all kinds yeah. of cases i have heard you. stories there was a story in america a few years ago about someone choking in a restaurant someone else going and doing an abdominal thrust cracking a rib saving his life and getting taken to court for it afterwards can you so, imagine that's so but thankfully we don't have that ungrateful kind of isn't it mm. yeah yeah but just... the, probably the, the medical costs probably were higher like the, for the cracked ribs than the funeral costs yeah Exactly. <laughs> okay, so you'd only do that abdominal thrust on a one-year-old? Over one-year-old, over one, yeah. yeah. So under one-year-old, five back blows, five chest thrusts using two fingers in the center mm-hmm. of the sternum. And then over one-year-old, five back blows, five abdominal thrusts. Okay, that's good. It's, I should be writing this down and I'm and not. And actually, in a, in a few weeks' time, I'll have some videos on my website. So you could be able to go to the website and watch these training videos of what you need to do. And what's, what's your website? Baby? It's www.earlybirdfirstaid.com. All one word. Snappy. Other things are things like burns. And a lot of, when it comes to first aid, a lot of it is common sense. And, you know, some things you may already know that you've picked up along the way. But I think it is about trusting your your judgment and your sort of instincts and and knowing what to do so there are certain things you can do to try and avoid um, accidents at home so things like with burns try and remember to use the back burners on your hob so Mm. that it's further away from little hands um and turn pan handles back the other way so they can't reach up and pull a pan of boiling water over themselves I always oh, do that wins, anyway because I don't trust myself. Yeah, well, so like, it's good. You, know. you get into good habits yeah. and, and that can help to prevent accidents. Things like hot drinks are the biggest culprit with burns with babies and small children in the home. And 15 minutes after you pour the kettle and made a drink, it's still hot enough to scold a child. So just be wary of that. Yeah. And if you've got friends that come around that haven't got children, they put their steaming hot cup of tea down. Oh, we don't have we don't have friends <laughs> who come around that don't have children. We just ban them from the place now. Yeah. They disgust me. <laughs> <laughs> that will get in trouble. Mate, That's true. Again. Actually. <laughs> I'm joking. But yeah, so things like that can help to reduce the risk of accidents. And and with baths, always put the cold water in first. If you haven't got a mixer tap on your bath always put the cold water in first so if the toddler climbs into the bath before you finish running it it's not steaming hot water it's right cold. yeah yeah, yeah. So, that's a good one yeah that's it's a good one, one. and you often people think, think oh i have got a mixer tap so it doesn't matter to me but actually accidents are much more likely to happen when you're not in your own home so if you're on holiday in an airbnb or something and they haven't got a mixer tap bear that in mind oh okay. that's such good advice yeah. i would not have thought of that i guess those are like preventatives rather than that's true. Yeah. You know, and you were saying before we came here that you you deal a lot on teaching people about how to prevent accidents happening in the home as well as sort of dealing with it when it does happen. So what's the kind of, what would you say is the best along with 
the the sort of scenario you just gave there for the common I was going to say work area, common living areas. Yeah, what the how would you avoid the main sort of injuries that you well, see? Things like anchoring your TV to the wall. So with flat screen right, TVs, yeah. making That's sure they're attached to the yeah. wall. Because once your babies can crawl, they'll crawl over to the TV stand and pull themselves up and it's loud and bright and it's quite you know attractive to them. So if they start bashing on it and it falls on top of them, then obviously that can be quite serious. So attach those to the wall. Heavy furniture as well can cause problems. So if you've got a toddler pulling themselves up on a bookshelf and the whole thing collapses on top of them, oh, that can oh, be really serious oh. as well. So... Um, those sorts of things are a plug good sockets. Idea. I imagine. Yeah, that's... plug sockets. It is really disconcerting seeing them sticking their fingers in plug sockets. But actually, unless the plug socket is faulty, they can't electrocute right, okay. themselves. Well, so good. you can get covers to cover the plug sockets. Yeah. So those are basically useless then. That... You don't really need them. And right, actually, okay. funnily enough, um, my <laughs> husband was saying to me the other night because our eight-month-old started doing exactly that, and, it's, and it does sort of freak you out when you see it. But actually, I was saying to him, unless they stick three fingers in, you know, exactly the same. Cause they, time, yeah, because it's the top one opens up the bottom too doesn't it that's yeah. the only use of the top right right yeah top yeah, yeah, hole yeah. that kind of that's why the top thing on a plug is plastic and the bottom two are metal yeah. knowledge for you that's that. right yeah. yeah very good yep. so thank you go. so you can get those if you want them but they're not they're not essential okay um that's good also good to know yeah. people don't waste your money on those or things. let's start a business selling those things because people buy them without needing them now, what other business? Well, they only cost about like 20 p. No, okay, yeah. let's not do that. Yeah, think. let's not do that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But, what um, about a drawer, like drawer or like cupboard? Yeah, drawer, that's a good, because like, yeah. I just bought a load of them from Ikea for like 20 quid. Ooh, you, yeah. got, you got ripped off, mate. No, I, I, think. No, I bought quite a few. <laughs> right, I bought quite okay. a few. For like the cupboards under the sink and yeah, stuff like see, that. Yeah, that's the main one. That's mm. what I would say. So... In terms of baby proofing, you can, you know it's down to personal choice how much you do, and some people will literally wrap their house up in cotton wool, and other people I'd like to won't see that. do it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know it's up to you how far you go. But I would say cupboard under the sink, particularly if you've got a toddler that empties cupboards, get yeah. a safety catch for that because at least it slows them down. And things like dishwasher tablets that you might keep in that cupboard under the sink. That's yeah. the sort of thing they see in A&E with children ingesting you know, oh, chemicals. Because it looks like a sweet. It looks like it's got a Smartie in the middle. Yeah. They take it out and swallow yeah. it. So if you can prevent that kind of thing again, obviously it's better than having to, to deal with it. And washing machine capsules as well. That's another one. Oh, and yeah. medicines yeah. too. Keeping medicines out of reach. That's another big one that they have. But Most people do that though. And they're like yeah, quite I think yeah, if, yeah. But yeah, chemicals out of reach too and just keeping yeah. things in the right place can go a long way to avoiding accidents at home mm. I think one of the worst stories I heard oh on God. the course I did um, not long ago was a lady in a sleep deprived moment of insanity in the middle of the night put super glue in her baby's eye oh my God oh my God yeah. well the super glue and the eye drops were both in her bedside table <gasps> and she in the sort of haze of the middle of the night she'd gone to get the eye drops and in her defence she said she didn't know the super glue was in there because her husband had been fixing a shelf in the bedroom and had put it in there afterwards but she put super glue in the baby's oh eye and thankfully God. the baby was okay and the baby's eye was okay but they told her in the hospital it wasn't the first time they'd seen it which actually I thought was almost more shocking than the fact that she'd done it was oh that she's not alone and other people have done that too so it's a really good example of why it is important to keep things in the right place I'm getting rid of the super glue in my because I don't trust myself let alone anyone else yeah. with that I'll get it's gone that's it so, Not that I use eye drops. Yeah, but. or super glue, perhaps. No. So both completely. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway.
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Another thing, like, uh, because obviously families go on holiday and things like that, like swimming pools, obviously that can be... See, that can be a potential death trap. So what would you say <laughs> is like... The, what was that accent? You know, obviously Watchdog back uh, in the day okay. with the Scottish. Everything was a potential death trap. Right, okay. Anyway, Karen. Um, <laughs> that, um, the, yeah, swimming pools. Like if your, you know, kid goes under for a little bit too long, comes up, sort of you think that might be drowning, that kind of thing. What would you do? So, yeah, I mean, obviously don't leave children unattended in the swimming pool particularly mm-hmm. if they can't swim even if they can swim or um, even in the bath yeah or even in the bath oh, that exactly. scares the hell Don't out of me so much babies unattended in the bath yeah and you know i think when they're very little there's no temptation to but if they're sitting playing quite happily you sort of think oh I'll go and get the towel from the other room if you did come in and they were face down in the bath you lift them out of the bath with the head down if possible um and hopefully they're coughing and spluttering and and you feel awful and never do it again Ugh. and if they're not then you get them straight down onto the floor open the airway check for breathing and you'd start cpr so you start with five rescue breaths and then 30 chest compressions to two breaths 32 and again you can learn that on uh, early bird first course (laughs) that's handy (laughs) um is it true is it like you do it to the rhythm of um what tune is it is it staying alive yeah so vinnie jones's ad campaign was staying alive i always use nelly the elephant nelly the elephant is 15 beats so you do two rounds of nelly the elephant and then two breaths Okay. That's your 30 to 2. Okay. But okay. Yeah, what, whatever works. Yeah. Staying alive just because, you know. Yeah. It works. The title works. It yeah, that, that's it true. Fits, that's yeah. true. It's easy to remember. Yeah. yeah. They say that actually when someone is drowning that it's not always that obvious. I think you imagine that they will be shouting for help and waving their arms and stuff, but actually if someone is really drowning, they're usually at eye level and they're not usually making a lot of splashing because they're pushing, you know, all their energy is going on trying to keep their mouth above water. So, you know, it's not always going to be someone that's making a lot of noise and shouting for help. So just always keep your eyes open, you know, mm. if you're if you're in a swimming pool with lots of kids mm. around, because sometimes it can be when there are lots of adults around and someone assumes someone else is watching the kid, yeah. um, and that's when accidents do happen. But obviously, you know, pull them out as quickly as you can. If you need to use CPR, then you would. Um, you have to think about secondary drowning too. So if you're lucky and you do revive them, you would always get them checked out afterwards because they can be affected by secondary drowning. What's that? It's when some water's got down into the lungs and actually they might seem completely fine afterwards, but 48 hours later, it can be fatal. It can cause an infection in the blood, which, you know, then then can oh, wow. be fatal. So, And actually someone doesn't have to have lost consciousness to be affected by secondary drowning. So if you had a toddler that had fallen into a swimming pool and someone's fished them out and they're barely conscious and then they start coughing, water could could have got down into the lungs in that situation so even if they haven't lost consciousness if you've had a drowning incident you should get them checked out afterwards yeah seth you look a bit 
traumatized by all of yeah. this. Yeah. No, well, because I'm also I'm, I'm also kind of it was concerning me that I definitely heard this all before, and I, I, most of it I don't remember. So not that that's an endorsement of your course. I think that says more about Seth than it does about your course. No, well, yeah. Well, I it think it says was a couple of years ago, wasn't it? Almost. It was. It would have. Well, it would have been about fifteen or sixteen months ago. It was okay, just before yeah. Eliza was born. But yeah. you know what? Like you think you've forgotten it, but it's the kind of thing that when when it happens. I reckon you think? there's a part of your brain which just goes, right, well, I, I know what to do. I think with the techniques, you're not using them. You know, things like CPR, you're not using on a regular basis. So you probably would forget it. And that's why it's good to refresh your skills on a yeah, first day course. That's... But I think some of the general knowledge, you you know, you probably would know. Things like, you know, what to do if you're dealing with burns, that sort of thing. Hopefully yeah. that's the kind of thing well, that does stick in your head. What do you do with burns? So if you are dealing with a burn, the most important thing is to get the burn area under cold running water for at least 10 minutes. And that takes the heat out of the burn. So once you've done that, then you cover it with something clean. And what they recommend in A&E is cling film. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, and often burns will happen in and around the kitchen. So you've got cling film available. You lay it loosely over the burn area and that helps to prevent against infection. Is that the, there's, that's the only, because it's clean and it's kind yeah, of... Yeah, exactly. And, and the other advantage is that when the professionals assess the burn, they can do it through the cling film. They don't have to take it off first. So Presumably, like if you use like a tea towel or something, that's going to stick as well. Well, you can use a clean flat piece of cotton, like a pillowcase or right, a tea okay. towel but as long as it's not fluffy, fluffy right. you don't want to use the towel yeah you don't want any fibres to get into the broken skin so but t- at least 10 minutes cold running water cover it with something clean tin foil no not no. tin foil plastic bag you could use plastic bag if you didn't no. have um, clean but tin foil is clean right yeah but it, it could trap you know if there's uh, any heat yeah. left I'm not, I wouldn't advise oh yeah good point yeah um, although you should have taken the heat out by that point but don't put anything else on it so don't put people have heard funny stories about burns so often people say don't you put vaseline on it no because that traps the heat in so that's why the water is the first thing you don't do don't put creams or vaselines or or butter or anything like that on it cold running water for at least 10 minutes Mm. and then cover it with something clean and i did have a girl that contacted me quite recently that had done one of my courses and it was in the summer actually and then her daughter stood on a hot coal at a barbecue and she basically having done the course about a month earlier knew exactly what to do and she rushed her into the kitchen got her foot under cold running water but she said her mother-in-law that was there going put butter on it and her mum or someone was saying oh you need to put vaseline on it or put ice on it and she said because she'd done the course she knew what to do and she had the confidence to say actually you're wrong i know what i'm doing and she got on and dealt with it and wrapped in cling film afterwards went to a and e and they told her she'd done a really good job and she contacted me to tell me that which was do you get a lot of that people getting in touch Sometimes, and it's always nice when they do, yeah. I had another person not long ago that's um, son choked on a 20p piece. And I think the thing about choking is if you're feeding your child and they start choking, it's yeah. pretty obvious what's going on. If you've been out the room and you came back in and your toddler's sitting there purple in the face, not breathing, and you're thinking, what is wrong with them? You wouldn't necessarily make the connection between choking and you yeah. know, what's going on. And thankfully, she did. And she picked him up, whacked him on the back, and a 20p piece came flying out. So she contacted me to tell me that as well. And I do usually say on a course, it's not only food. Yeah. You know, it is sort of objects in your home. And when your baby's crawling around, they can put things in their mouth as well. So, But it's something worth mentioning because it's all about recognizing what's wrong as well mm. so um you know and thinking about that too so but yeah it is always nice when people contact you to tell you that what you've taught them has you know helped makes it all worthwhile yeah <laughs> so. it must be quite a rewarding kind of profession in that respect 
Yeah, thought. I mean, I, I honestly believe it is a good thing for parents to do. So it's easy yeah. for me to, you know, be passionate about that because I do think it is a really good thing for people to do. And, you know, when that's reinforced with people coming back with stories, then that's really good. I mean, the choking is the main thing. I meet so many people that have dealt with choking incidents. Yeah. Um, and actually, I think as long as you stay calm and you do what you need to do, and it is relatively instinctive as well. I think whacking them on the back is fairly instinctive. Is it a proper whack you've got to give them? I'm just because it's, it's a back blow. So okay. yeah, you're doing it firmly. It's about the angle as well, making sure the head down yeah. and the spine straight. But you're yeah, you're hitting them fairly firmly. And generally, what happens is you might do a bit lighter to start with, and if it's not coming out, the adrenaline's kicking in. Yeah, you're yeah, doing yeah. it firmer and firmer. But you know, it's not your full force, but you're doing yeah. it firmly. Yeah. Okay. Well, so, I feel like I've learned something. I, I yeah, I definitely think I've learned relearned something. relearned yeah. I know it's some yeah it's coming back to me it's coming back to me but maybe yes. maybe we should do a refresher you want to do a refresher with me yeah okay I'll do a refresher well, well I just need to do what I'm oh yeah right yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah if you get a group of four together I can do a private course for you so. awesome. there we go but there's four of us here yeah done we'll take you off on that awesome so aside from doing the actual course is there would is there like three tips top tips that you could give to parents who might be listening about keeping their child safe or what to do in um I mean I think you know baby proofing for the age of your child is a good idea so things yeah. like blind cords make sure you don't have long loop blind cords that kind of thing you're um, right yeah loose wires as I said anchor your furniture to the wall TVs to the wall that sort of thing yeah you know watch some videos online is a good okay. idea because with the techniques you can't really talk through them you need to sort of see them that's the best way to do it and you can read that in a book or watch it on the tv it's obviously not a replacement for for doing it yourselves yeah um what would my other tips be things like when you're weaning your baby make sure you keep food age appropriate don't give them anything round yes um, like grapes exactly grapes are the thing you've probably heard the most bad press about so you cut grapes up lengthways until they're at least two years old oh. but other things like you know large blueberries or cherry tomatoes blackberries that yeah. sort of thing keeping food age appropriate is a good idea try to avoid giving um children food in the back of the car because if they start choking in the back of the car you've got to pull over before you can help them so that slows down your response time as they get older God. get them to sit down and and don't run around while they're eating that sort of thing right, as well. yeah, yeah, yeah. imagine like if i was just thinking about if you if you were running this course in America, you'd probably have to have a section on like bullet wounds and stuff. I don't know why that <laughs> occurred to me. Well, bleeding is something that I would often talk about on a course, and um, that's maybe something worth mentioning. You know, if you're dealing with cuts with glass or, or things right. like that. Then, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, all bullet wounds. Oh, but, that's too um, morbid, man. Benji's Benji looks traumatized by that idea. But direct pressure to the wound, if you're dealing with serious bleeding, is the most important thing. So apply direct pressure to the wound yeah. okay. um, and elevate the area if you can. Okay. God, there's a well, lot to take in. Hopefully that, that won't... But I am actually go, I'm going to the States Let's soon, not, so it could... Yeah, but that's... Well, but the other thi so another thing that happens on holiday, though, is like, you know, sun exposure, like all extreme kind of sun. Is that something that you teach people to kind of avoid? Well... 
I mean, being in the UK, we don't unfortunately well, that's, yeah, have that's that much sun. So it is something people do often ask about and then we'll talk about it. So yeah. obviously keeping small children out of direct sunlight is a good idea. Making sure they're drinking lots of water yeah. um, so they don't get dehydrated. With babies, just making sure they've got regular wet nappies so that you know that they're not dehydrated as well. Yeah, And if they are dehydrated or if they have been exposed to too much sun and are kind of showing signs of sunburn and things like that, would you treat it the way you'd? treat well if it's you know if you think they're a bit dehydrated then you'd give them lots of water and you can buy electrolyte solutions you can give them as well um you know if you think they've got a bit of minor sunburn then you can use after sun and things but if you're dealing with a small baby that's been exposed to you know high temperatures for a prolonged period i'd get them to hospital and get really? them checked out yeah okay but you're talking about a more serious sort of if they're looking proper there. roasted yeah exactly with, yeah. Um, you know, if they're very red or if they've got blistered skin. And when <clears> their babies get dehydrated, they get a sunken fontanelle as well. Yeah. Cry without tears, that sort of thing. Okay. So if, you, if they're showing signs of not being well or, or being seriously dehydrated, yes, get them to hospital. But if you're just thinking they haven't drunk enough water, obviously give them a bit more and, and keep them out of direct sunlight. Nice. Okay. Well, I think that's... Sarah, is there anything else you think we should be covering? Or um, I think we've probably talked about the main things. Um you know, I could go on all day about all the sort of miserable things that could go wrong. But I think the top things that you're thinking about as parents are probably choking, burns, head injuries, that sort of thing. And as I said, a bit of baby proofing. So think about blind cords. Don't leave plastic bags lying around. Little nappy sacks are plastic bags. Make sure they're not going to put those over their head. So a little bit of baby proofing. But a lot of it comes down to using your common sense, trusting your instincts. And as I've said, you know, do a do a basic first aid course <laughs> do the course guys yeah. yeah do it early bird first aid thanks sir what's what's the uh, um website address again it's www.earlybirdfirstaid.com there you go do it thank you sarah you're very welcome thank you jamie no worries thanks bye guys bye bye bye, bye.